0: Yeah, hello, this is Sue, the Duchess of Far away Nearby. Welcome to episode 27 of our podcast. Today we are going to talk about Orphan Black, the Canadian television series that the final season is being shown shortly.
1: According to my parents, raising children of the country, all cities were bad.
0: Diet foods are not good for me. Huh? They're evil. They taste funny, and they have crap in them.
1: But no, <laughs> that doesn't happen, because it's a family function, and why would anything go as planned?
0: Most of my time is really good, because I spend a lot of it reading and having good cups of coffee. I am joined, of course, by Paul Chandler, the Chi Yeti, oh. and... <laughs> And we have Tavi Smelly from the Smellcast.
2: Hi, Duchess Sue. Hi. Hey, Paul.
0: Hiya. Hiya, everybody. <laughs> and, of I- course, my co- my regular co-host, DJ Starsage. We're going to read some summaries of the, the seasons. There may be spoilers in there if you haven't watched the four seasons that is out. And on Amazon, you might not want to listen to all of this. We're going to get right into this. Okay. Orphan Black is a Canadian science fiction thriller television series created by screenwriter Graham Manson and director John Fawcett, starring Tatiana Maslany as several identical people who are clones. The series focuses on Sarah Manning, who witnesses police officer Elizabeth Beth, uh, Beth Child's suicide. Sarah assumes child assumes Child's identity after noticing Child is identical to her. In the first episode of Orphan Black, we are introduced to 10 of the 22 clones that will appear in the first four seasons. Sarah Cosima K- Allison and Lena are the main uh, clones throughout the series. Moral and ethical implications of human cloning and its effect on issues of personal identity are considered.
1: In Season oh, okay. 1, we're just going to go around the table here and talk a little bit about some of our thoughts about Season 1. And one of the questions that came up as we all chipped in a few ideas is, what characters do you admire, Sarah? Art, Mrs. S, or Helena, and uh, we should start with Sister Shyetti. Paul.
3: Well, I, I, I must before we before I say anything too much. I I need to I need to say that I kind of started the series uh, about two years ago. I started watching it because I'd been recommended it, and I kind of came to a bit of a a, a source halt about halfway through the first season. I wasn't sure if I liked the characters so too much. Um, and I can tell you, I can sort of explain in a bit more detail why that was, maybe if, if we have a more general discussion later on. But uh, but coming back to it more recently, um, I sort kind of got used to some of the characters. I, I, I um, characters like Alison and Felix, who I wasn't too sure about the first time. And now actually they're, my, fa- they're sort of my favorite characters. And I think if it wasn't for them, the series would be very, very dry and very, very, uh, you know, very serious. Um, it needs, Sort of more humorous characters, and um, so yeah. So, so I, I like those characters as uh, of the of the main uh, the main characters. But I'm I'm sort of uh, uh, you know in the first series, you know, you've got uh, um, some of the you've got the m- m- Mrs. S. Is she called Mrs. S. Um, that that character, yes, um, who's who's cute, who's in, in very interesting, but you. You don't really find out that much about her, um, but I, I, I don't want to say too much because we'll start going on to later seasons. And although I haven't <laughs> seen as much as you two have, I have I have seen quite a lot of season, uh, you know, um, the, the second season where she plays quite a big part. So yeah, um, yeah, that's probably my that's probably my answer. I, I I like Sarah and I like Felix and I like Alison and I've sort of yeah I've come to really like them this time my second time round.
2: <laughs> well that's kind of interesting paul um i, I i'm curious your first time watching and mm. um, what you, you didn't latch on to the characters can you just
3: mm, yeah explain? i don't know if it was i don't know if it was a little bit to do with there was just something the tone was slightly off i think it's because slightly because um I think most of the act, the actors and actresses are Canadian, but some of them are playing, say British or play. Uh, and and I, I, think I was watching. I was kind of thinking. I'd, I I haven't. I've done a lot more research on my Wikipedia, a lot more, and I kind of know a bit more about the backgrounds of of um, the people play. And I, I, don't know. I perhaps I kind of thought. Well, I I don't quite. That, that character doesn't quite seem. I'm not quite sure um, you know, where this is set and. I've actually read more into it since, and they kind of said they deliberately haven't said, "Oh, we are we are in this city or we're in that city." Um, you know, obviously, it's I believe it, you know it's supposed to be well either Canada or, or you know or, or the States. But um, yeah, I, I just I think it was just a, it was just a slight thing, and I wasn't I didn't like watch it, and I hated it or anything. But I think it's one of those things where somebody raves and raves about it. Oh, you must watch it! You must watch it! And you start <laughs> to watch it, and you and and. Um, but this is the trouble with having things on DVD that you end up binging. Perhaps you watch too much in a in a in a row, and maybe if you'd watched it on a weekly basis, it would, you know, it would, it would you would have sort of fallen into it more naturally. Whereas uh, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to kind of stop yourself.
2: <laughs> Can I uh, just going off that? Is it possible that that there's just too many characters to get to know all at once? Oh, yeah, that,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. i i'm sorry I, I yeah i would say that possibly for me um I, I find that in novels as well sometimes they introduce to and and with tv it takes me i mean i really sometimes have to go on wikipedia a show just to kind of kind of go so i know all these faces and i still haven't and i've been watching like a season and i've still only got about three of the names um i think that's just old age <laughs> I, don't know. I i i beg to differ
0: with you about that <laughs> i i it's, it was sort of i i noticed that it was sort of like reading a russian novel
2: oh very what, yeah, yes yeah
0: <laughs> because they have they have like 15 names for one person they use them at will in the writing and i suppose if you're a russian or maybe even if you spoke Russian, you might understand that there are so many characters and they all are important in some way, even if they're mm-hmm. only there for for just a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Toppy, what were your feelings on uh, what, would, what character did you like the most? Well, uh, immediately... Uh, I wasn't sure about Sarah,
2: who is the main character, but let's face it. One of the first things she does, she witnesses a murder, a, a suicide, and immediately just steals the, the person's bag. <laughs> yeah. um, and I thought, well, you know, I don't know if I like this character. And she's obviously presented like she's a very streetwise person. She's, mm-hmm. you know, had a life. You know, she's been around the block a few times. Um, but uh I think very swiftly by the end of the first episode I was on her side. Uh I think I think they did a really excellent job of introducing her. And at least for me, I by the end of that first episode, I really did like Sarah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, my opinion's not too different. I really liked Sarah as well, especially from what Toppy was saying there, that there is such a, you know, a night and day like a Jekyll and Hyde going on <laughs> with Sarah in that first episode because you see her as a very streetwise person and you almost think that she's sort of trashy and you don't really get a very high opinion of her until she witnesses that tragedy, and from there, you realize that her backstory is she's doing all these things for a reason. She has a daughter, and she's trying to turn her life around. But now she has an opportunity. She has, you know, she like Toppy said, she had the purse there that she could grab. <laughs> and then as soon as she starts, yeah. you know, make-believing that she's this other person she gets in a little in over her head, which is where we'll be going with the coming seasons from here. For a reason, my favorite character is sort of tied between Sarah and one of the other clones, Helena, who Mm -hmm. we later find was raised in the Ukraine, of course, speaking Russian, and she's presented as this wild woman and she has sort of, primitive instincts she'll do anything to protect herself but you also learn as the story goes along that those instincts grow to surround her family that she she um starts developing once she starts meeting the other clones which eventually they start identifying each other as sisters so she looks out for her sisters to the point of death she she will actually get out the knife and uh, pardon the term, cut a bitch. <laughs> right, right.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, Helena is an interesting character, and, and I kind of liked her, but my favorite character was Kira, the little girl.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> is it just because you, you you just sensed her vulnerability, or was there something well, more?
0: that, and she just, she seems that there's something, she knows something, or she's able to sense something. She has some kind of of abilities uh, beyond us normal people and beyond her parental figures. The the clones don't really have that, and Mm -hmm. they're getting sick and, and possibly dying, although Sarah may not have that, we learn later.
2: Right. As far as care goes, there's nothing about her that seems normal it, it yeah it, all the every way she reacts to the things that are happening are it, she's first of all she seems <clears throat> wiser and older beyond her years mm-hmm. um, and and she takes all of this in <clears throat> kind of in stride even to the point where she knows somehow that one of the clones who is posing as her mother she knows damn well that's not her mother mm-hmm. Uh, but how does she know? We don't really know. And you're right; she does seem to have some sort of what sixth sense.
0: I don't know. She, you know, she, she always goes, "Well, there's something bad going to happen."
2: Yes, she says and, and that just yeah.
0: before something bad happens. You know, yeah. somebody attacks them. Somebody tries to, just, uh, you know, kidnap them. What have you? But
2: but she, she is immensely that. appealing. Like the, the the actress, whoever whoever that girl is, she's like I don't know how she does it. She's immensely appealing. the The acting seems completely natural. I yeah. mean, you really you really believe in this kid.
0: <laughs> it's true, and I think that's why I really like her. She, and she and you're not really sure what what's there. And I'm hoping that they will give us more information about her in the fifth season. Season 2 focuses on Diad's attempt to capture both Sarah and Kira to obtain Kira's bone marrow uh, and Sarah's DNA. Beth runs for the school board, Donnie loses his job, and the Hendrixes become drug dealers out of Allison's mother's uh, little soap and lotion
2: boutique.
1: How did you feel about the introduction of the element of humor to Orphan Black that came in with the character of Allison?
2: Well, like Paul said earlier, it desperately needs to offset everything else. They were very good in that they understood, we got to bring some humor in here. And Allison does that, and so does um, Sarah's uh, brother. Yeah. Felix, yes. Felix, yeah. But I, yeah, uh, I, I, it. Allison isn't introduced till a few steps in, and prior to that, the show's heavy, real heavy. Yeah. And then suddenly they have this episode (laughs) with screwball Allison, and she's got her husband tied up, and it's really goofy. (laughs) But what a refreshing! I, I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. when they brought that in
1: well yeah i I agree you said you agree paul
3: yeah yeah Yeah. i agree i think um you know in a series like this you you, um and you need to i I remember years ago with something like the x-files you'd have sort of midway episodes and you'd have if you had a silly episode it would be ridiculously silly and if you had a serious episode it would be you know, you just wanted to jump off a cliff. It was so serious, <laughs> and so you need to kind of pepper it across, and um, without, you know, so you need to. And it's not always easy to sort of duck between the serious stuff and have something a funny scene following that. And you ha- it's, it takes a lot, it takes a lot of good writing to do that. But you need, you need it though.
1: Yeah, I think that um, when they introduced the the Alison character. They were they were in some ways trying to follow some of the popular trends in story making. Um, if you'll remember a few years back, one of the installments of the Resident Evil series of movies that, of course, introduced us to the ideas of zombies and zombie apocalypses and that they um, they they took a little bit of a break from you know the uh, the guy chasing you and look behind your back before you turn the corner. <laughs> And um, they, they introduced the moment of calm in that story too. Because, you know, the, the scariest scenes in like the horror movies and that always happens when you're in a lull. You're thinking, okay, I'm safe. And all of a sudden, someone comes from, you know, around the corner with a chainsaw. You know, they, they introduced the Allison character. And in Resident Evil, they took a step back and they had, you know, a suburban story. You've got a, a family. You've got the the nuclear family normality. So they introduced the Allison character to introduce the idea that, you know, okay, you know, here's a little bit of normal and all of this crazy, but watch out, we're about to turn normal a a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I
3: I like it when um occasionally Sarah has to step in and play Alison because she's in a situation where (laughs) Alison's unconscious or doing something's happened to Alison and 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 Sarah's there but Alison isn't Sarah Sarah just has to kind of put on a put on a you know a, a hat or or put on something of, of Alison's clothes right. are, and try and pass herself off. <laughs> well, we should,
2: we should tell the, the listeners that uh, this story involves clones of the same person. Mm. So naturally, we have an actress who is playing all of these mm. clones. And first of all, uh, a, a tour de force of acting uh, mm. because these characters are very distinctive uh, not one of them are anything like the other. These clones, and the same actress is playing all these roles. Helena is nothing like Alice, and Alice is nothing like Sarah. Sarah is nothing like um, what the the, uh, the science lady. Cosima. Yeah, Cosima. Um, what an incredible job! Of acting, well, yes,
0: I I I think that's just. She finally won a, an Emmy or whatever the television awards are, and I, she certainly deserved it.
1: Make way for the upcoming Pride 48 live streaming weekend.
0: The Royal Court is already preparing for all the festivities.
1: Wipe out your schedules.
0: Clear your social calendar.
1: Forget showering and stay in your PJs. All your favorite shows for one weekend this June.
0: Pride 48 live streaming weekend, June 23rd to 25th. Royalty approved. Because that is just incredible. It it is an incredible job. And that was one of the reasons that I watched it. I wasn't sure at the beginning. It sounded kind of interesting. Like something I like. But it also sounded kind of (laughs) creepy, you know? Right. So when I started watching it, I watched it a little tentatively. Unlike Paul, I kind of like binging. It's easier for me to, to understand the whole story if I could just watch the whole thing.
2: I will admit that I had to watch those first two episodes of the first two season a couple of times (laughs) each because I felt like, what the hell is going on here? And it helped me immensely to be able to watch them a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, uh, DJ and and Paul, did you have to do that? I mean, I I was really
1: kind of confused. You know, I think some of the plot lines did confuse me, so I did find it easier once I watched it a second time.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I know it's one of those series where you don't take anything too much as being um, 100% you know, uh, set in stone because uh, it might appear to be set in stone but then there'll be a twist and you'll realize everything you've been believing. So if you haven't 100% got it in your head then it might not matter because it might turn out to be a trick by another character and none of it's
1: real. (laughs) The watch the second time helped in that it wasn't necessarily the story that was always confusing, but it was like keeping the score. You didn't know whose side or what side some of the characters were on. Who don't you trust? Mrs. S or Dr. Leakey? Is there a character that you don't trust that you followed?
3: Um, Well, yeah, Mrs. S in season two is very difficult to. Yeah, she, she's sort of. I'm sure there's more. To it, there's going to be more to it than because she was relatively on the line in the first series. She just seemed to be, a, you know, a supportive character. But there's been a lot more sort of. But when when push comes to shove, she has. Um, she may have appeared to be threatening, but then she's been on Sarah's side, or at least allowing Sarah to. Move on, yeah. You know, with what she wants to do. So when push comes to shove, whether or not she is at that point when she's allowing Sarah to say escape, that is going against something else she's been told. I, I don't yet know, but uh, yeah, she becomes a lot more mysterious and a lot more interesting. I think in the second series, I didn't oh, really, yeah. I didn't really like her that much in the first. I didn't really care much about her in the first series, but uh, she just forwarded the plot a bit. But in the second series, she's essential.
2: Yeah, I'll just say briefly. Um, that uh, Mrs. S is complex, but she's she comes in as the foster mother of Sarah and Felix, and she's also the fierce protector of Kira. Mm-hmm. And she's very matronly and and really quite. I, I found her very appealing and like, oh, you know, here's finally one character that that you know isn't that i i understand and yeah and admire uh, and then even at the very end of <clears throat> the first season i started to already get my doubts about her like yeah. she knew more
1: she she knew more than she yeah. was saying mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i'm i'm not sure i didn't totally not trust mrs s i i was getting my doubts as well because you really couldn't clearly tell which side she was on by season two. I mean, in the beginning, as Toppy was saying, you know, she was the foster mom. So, of course, you would naturally assume that she'd be there to look out for Sarah and certainly Kira being the child in this scenario. But then as we move into season two, you realize she, she has some other motives behind that. You know, she she has some alliances overseas mm-hmm. And granted, she's able to use them to their advantage to help them. But, you, you know, when that gets introduced, you don't know what side they're on either. Uh, and she does some
3: uh, pretty far out things to make sure things go her way as well. I think
0: her backstory is is probably pretty interesting and pretty violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of course, you don't get the character's backstory necessarily. And in, in the episodes that I've seen... She really does seem to have a a backstory, and and maybe currently doing some of those same things. It seems as though she does that to protect her family, but maybe not always. And since we don't know what her goal is,
3: it's hard to say whether she is. I hope they and um, these sorts of series is sometimes they they do completely change a character's motives, just to give that character a... I'm not saying they do it in this series, but I'm just hoping they don't. I, I watched a series called Pretty Little Liars, and for one series, a character who'd been good for the first three seasons was suddenly made in such a way to be like a baddie, and then that was kind of resolved, and they went back to being a goodie, but and it did feel very contrived, like, oh, that you just needed a twist. So, I know, I'm aware that series like this can, when they want twists, they will sometimes mess around with their characters just to get a, a good bit of TV or what they think is a good bit of TV. But when you look at it later, you think, yeah, it's a bit mm, a bit uneven or a bit contrived. But I hope they won't do that with Orphan Blank. Yeah.
1: Now, I think it's okay if we give a spoiler since we warned at the beginning of this. Now, on the note of Mrs. S, Sue, I know that at one point in the series – it's revealed that she has a special connection to the clones. I, I do believe that by the time season two is introduced, we understand that Sarah and Helena are revealed to be biological twins. They both. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the Same yes. mother and they were separated. And of course that yeah. that brings a wedge between Helena and Mrs. S because they were placed in her care but they became separated, which is what led to Helena being raised in the Ukraine. Yes.
0: The clone of the sisterhood, the clone sisterhood, excuse me, realizes that they're not alone. Just when they thought they knew who their enemies and allies were, season three introduces highly trained, identical male soldiers, the casters, who raise more questions than answers. Who are these clones? Who created them? And more importantly, why did they exist? Both Sarah and Helena are captured by them and spend some time with them. Uh, Meanwhile, Allison and Donnie obtain a storefront to move more drugs.
1: In season three, we learned that there's another clone program to produce male clones of the same genetics and the original donor for both the male and female came from the same person, they race to an address that they find on a letter. This includes Mrs. S and Sarah, because they end up going over to the UK. And when they arrived there, come to find out the original donor of the DNA was Mrs. S's mother, Kendall Malone.
3: And she's played by Alison Steadman, isn't she, who's a, a famous um, British actress. I'm looking I'm forward to good. seeing her in it.
1: She uh, She's what is known as a chimera. Her body contains the DNA for both male and female chromosomes. So she ended up being the donor to both male and female parts of their F- cloning program. Fascinating. So she is the original... I mean, she's the person all of these clones' genetic material came from. Right, and so technically Sarah and Helene and all the clones are sisters to Siobhan, Mrs. S. Okay, that's fascinating, and uh, particularly uh,
2: from the very start, one of the, the questions that's in the background the entire time is, with all of these clones, who the hell's the original? And I guess we just heard.
0: Yeah. But mm-hmm. the both the, the – there's something wrong with both, both the male and the female clones. And right. there are doctors that are – have them – hold them close and are trying to cure them and, and advance cloning.
2: Yeah. As far as where I am right now, Sue, is apparently, I guess – all the clones are basically dying of some respiratory illness. Is that not correct?
0: Well, it it seems to be that they seem to all have some kind of respiratory illness. Yeah. And, uh, well, not all of them die of that because in the, in the first season we have, Sarah is sitting in a car watching her funeral because one of the clones committed suicide. Um, and there is a clone from Russia or somewhere that gets in her car and somebody shoots her in the head.
1: Right. That's the second clone that she meets. And she's just simply known as the German, I think, in the, in the beginning. Yeah.
0: she's she's. Yeah. I'm not sure that they give her any other name ever. Uh, they do find a birth certificate and stuff for uh, And they're trying to collect all of, whenever they run into a clone, they're trying to collect DNA samples. <clears throat>
2: Right. that That's another plot element uh, that, that starts with the series is that someone apparently is out to kill all of the clones. They all understand yeah. that their lives are in danger, but they don't know who's trying to kill them or why.
0: Well, I, I'm not sure that they all, they all understand. Uh, Sarah certainly didn't in the beginning.
2: She no, didn't no, no. even realize she was a clone. No, of course not. But I mean, they come to find out, all of them begin to understand that their lives are in great peril.
1: And I think more importantly to the point of what you're bringing up, Toppy, is that it it seems that once they become aware that they are a clone, that's when the danger begins because before they are quote unquote self aware, the program doesn't seem to have a care for where they are. But now once that switch is flipped mentally, that they have awareness in our, you know, conscious in our individuals, then the program is keen on knowing because they're a threat, they could expose them. Yeah. So
0: well, it, yeah. and they are also trying to get a hold of these clones so they can learn more. They they want to 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 research their bodies. And Sarah is a very special clone because she seems to be able to procreate.
2: Ah, that's a a great point. Yeah. Uh, we come to find out in the course of the series that none of the clones can have offspring except apparently Sarah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. we also find out that Helena can.
1: Right. Because she's uh, her ex- twin. <clears> throat> throat> yeah. Uh-huh. The, the Duncan's, uh, so about the Duncan's, the, uh, the doctors who originated this cloning program, uh, Dr. Duncan Ethan was led to believe his wife was killed in a fire, and yet she survived. There is no mention of his suicide made to his wife. Do you think she was aware? Do you think maybe the fire was a cover-up for her escape? And do you think she'd been plotting against him?
0: It's hard this to all tell. This, all,
1: this all goes, oh. goes back to an event that in the show they refer to as Helsinki, because apparently that was... The location, uh, one of the uh, biggest labs.
0: Yeah, and they attempted to destroy all the clones for some reason.
1: It
2: would would this attempt to destroy all the clones extend to you know the to how the series starts out with the clones being shot and and hunted down? Is I that, don't.
0: I am not entirely certain who that is that's doing that. It may be the who was it the Prometheans? Is that? Is that the name of the religious group?
1: Yeah, there were two factions, Prolethians and Neolution.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, they weren't the Neolucianists were not a religious group. The Prometheans That's were right. a religious group. Neolian science Yeah, they were the people that wanted to do strange things to their body and and had uh there was one guy
2: there that had a tail. This is just, it's just a bizarre, tiny little element that's brought in (laughs) that this one character has a tail. And I was trying, that's, you know, one of those things I had to go back and say, okay, what the, what the (laughs) heck is going on here? Um, I don't know if there's any significance or it was just a quirky little thing they threw in. But the cut that tail off. (laughs) Jesus!
1: But but going okay. back to the, the Helsinki, and do you think that that Susan Duncan was plotting against her husband when the fire was set at the lab in Helsinki?
0: I don't think she was plotting against him. I'm not sure who set the the fire. Because
1: mm-hmm. there there was a point of discussion that it seemed that Susan was recognized as being quote unquote the smarter of the two, her and Ethan. Yeah. Being, couple the scientists extremists there the neolutionists saw a leader to represent them and they felt that susan was best suited for that so they supported her to be the head of the research and i think my my impression of that is that since susan survived the fire and because ethan was led to believe that his wife perished in the fire that there was some sort of uh, premeditation going on there, that the fire was set as a means of separating the Duncans from each other.
0: Could be. Could have also been set to kill the Duncans.
1: The other part of the question I have about uh, this part is that, do you feel that because the Duncans took one of the clones for their own, um, which... Both of you uh, gentlemen at this point have met Rachel, who is, um, you know, the the smart and privileged child <laughs> that was raised by the Duncans. And she has those creepy home movies about when life was supposedly normal. And, you know, mm-hmm. her, her father commits suicide rather than be the guinea pig under his daughter's thumb. And so Rachel was their adopted child. So Duchess, do you think that the Duncans took Rachel to raise because they couldn't have any of their own children
0: i think I think somewhat, and I think they also saw it as a, um, a as a social scientific um uh, it, it was a scientific experiment. you take a clone and you love them and and treat them normal, except they didn't quite do that, and those home movies is because she watches and I think she feels that she was abandoned and She has two really strong reasons in her mind to hate Sarah, and that's because she thinks that Sarah had someone there that loved her all the time, and she had a brother that is always there for her, Ah, and she was able to have a child.
2: Interesting, yeah.
0: And Rachel is, I, I believe that Rachel is really envious of that, and she and she really hates Sarah. she wants to kill her. oh my, but I don't know but but she really has an animus against against sarah
1: well and and for certain reasons too now, of course, it wasn't Sarah, but at one point in the story they the clones have realized that Rachel is the special child you know, she's at the top of the ivory tower, and if they're going to get in on the inside and, you know, have access, they're going to need to use her as their puppet, or at least so they think. And at one point they feel that they've gotten a barrel over on Rachel and she turns the tables and poor Kasima feels trapped. And yeah. the only way that they're able to, you know, return things to a sort of balance is they make an attempt on Rachel's life. And it ends with Rachel being in a hospital bed because they shot a pencil into her brain. Rachel has been uh, humbled, so to speak. The goddess has been blinded and she's eventually fitted with a prosthetic eye. But because of that brain injury, it limits her mobility. So now she may not be as formidable an opponent.
0: Yeah, she, she certainly has to work very hard. Uh, she has physical therapy and and treatments for her eye, and and there seems to be one of the uh, the male clones that is helping to treat her at one point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she she gets some dubious care off and on throughout this thing.
1: End of part one.